0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you are brand new, I'm Tyler, I'm the pastor here, and you are in for a treat today. Uh, gosh, you year and 10 months ago, year and whatever, it's right when we basically first started, we were a few months old. Rachel and I uh, went to this kind of pastor's get-together thing down in L.A., and we sat next to Rochelle and Mark Francie. And you ever meet somebody and you're like, "Will you be my friend? Will you go playground, play play with me? Will you go coffee with me?" Uh, is one of those moments. We just we met Mark and Rochelle. We just knew man, these are gonna, people are gonna be friends in ministry. They were planted church a few months later, so we were in similar spots. They were in the interest uh, service phase before planting, and just hit it off. And um, it's been amazing to see what Ocean's Church has been doing in Orange County, South Orange County. People ask me this all the time: When is revival gonna happen? And I like to tell them, actually, it's already happening. Uh, go, go to Oceans Church in Orange County, see what's going down. Uh, go to Mission Church in Wall Creek. see what's going down. What? 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 Um, preach. Uh, it's going down. And something I love about Mark, I, I love always sharing one of my favorite things about somebody who's coming into our house. Uh, Mark isn't just a friend, but he, I really feel like he's family of our house. Uh, man, I, I hang out with Mark, I walk away, and I feel like I can change the world. I can walk through walls. I don't like hanging out with people who talk to me about their possible God. I like hanging out with people who tell me about their impossible God. And and there's something about Mark, the way he he, he sees God, he walks with one as he knows God and has been with God. And so we were talking yesterday, dreaming about ministry. And I just went to bed last night going, man, God, we haven't seen nothing yet. God, we've seen nothing yet. I'm believing for greater things. I was praying for a building. I get done hanging out with Mark. I'm like, Lord, I'm not praying for a building. I'm praying for buildings, uh, plural, you know. Uh, I'm not praying for a a million-dollar check. I'm praying for $10 million checks for our church so we can uh, build what God's called us to build and equip what God's called us to equip. There's something about those kind of people. And so when you have those people, man, treasure them, treat them well, invite them to speak at your church. Uh, uh, he spoke first service. Mark's nasty good. It's a good one today. It was good. It was good. Like I was sitting there. I was like. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's so good, Mark. It's so good. If somebody can make you laugh and cry within five minutes, you know God gave him a gift. Uh, and so will you guys give Mark Francie the warmest Mission Church welcome? Come on now. Come on. <clears throat>
1: Thank you so much. Come on, give Pastor Tyler a big hand. Who loves your pastor here? What an amazing, amazing church. So good my first time in Walnut Creek. It's just a beautiful place. We kept a secret way too long from me? But it was great. Uh, So good to be here with you. And uh, I can't believe it's been, it feels like I've known uh, Tyler and, and Rachel longer than I have. You ever meet people like that? You're like, I think we've grew up together. You know, like, it's been like a year and a half, uh, but uh, just really do. You know, I uh, think what was it? What was the movie? My wife's favorite. Uh, what's it called? Uh, little little girl with red hair. Uh, what is it called? Kindred spirit. Come on, help me out, somebody. Where's the girl's, Anna Green Gables. Anna Green Gables. <laughs> this is like my wife's. My wife would be so blessed right now. If she was here that I reference Anna Green Gables. But I really do feel like kind of a, just a kindredness with uh, with Rachel with uh, with Pastor Tyler and. I've learned a lot about, you know, the way God loves a city by the people that he sends to it. And I think that speaks highly of how much God thinks of you, that he would send such an amazing couple. Uh, Again, these aren't people, just for me, I love meeting people in ministry that are in ministry, not because it was their only option. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's like, man, these people could be CEOs. They could be in the the, the tech business. They could start at a company, but they love God. They were called. They were chosen, and God loved loved Walnut Creek enough to send a great church like this. Come on, give God a hand clap for what He's done. And uh, man, it's just so good. I love I love these guys so much. And uh, we had a great day. I flew in yesterday, and again, we met each other down in Los Angeles. My wife sends her greetings. Uh, I've been married now for 14 years. Hey, first service didn't celebrate it. I'm like, come on, guys. It's like 16 Hollywood marriages. Come on, help me out. And uh, But we, uh, we've we been married 14 years. We have two little girls. I think I have a picture I'll show you real quick. But I uh, just feel like it's good to put a picture of my family up. Kind of validates the anointing, I think. Sometimes you see a woman that pretty. Come on, hey. Well, look at the Lord has done. But we have two little girls. We have an 11-year-old and a 4-year-old. Uh, people ask what my 4-year-old's like. I say she's kind of like a blender missing a lid. And... Uh, but we uh, we're just into this journey. We started a church in South Orange County last year. After spending the last 17 years of my life in Boise, Idaho. Who knows where Idaho's at? Come on, most people don't care about the i states. Let's be honest. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana. It's like where is it? I get confused all the time. But Idaho is a beautiful place. But if you think about moving there, don't. Um, but uh, no, it's so good to have you uh, here. And and again, my family sends their their greetings. But we are youth people. You no know, pastors there for the last 17 years. And Really just got to be a part of a great move of God that hit Boise, and I was the chaplain for the football team there, and we had a young adult ministry that had thousands of kids getting saved. Uh, We had about 18,000 documented salvations from 2009 to 2017, and really a sovereign kind of move. And then uh, we got married in 2005. My wife said, Mark, two things we never want to do. We never want to start a church, and we never want to be lead pastors. But if you want to make God laugh, you just tell him your plans, and so uh, I actually married the pastor's daughter of a church. And so I was the youth pastor at my father-in-law's church. Come on, someone say job security. <laughs> and uh, couldn't screw that up. But um, man, married into a phenomenal family. I feel like it's like the Kennedy family of the church world. And you know a lot of my wife's cousins and aunts and uncles, they have great ministries all over. But man, we're just so honored to be in this journey. Church is 73 weeks old today. And I'm the weird guy that keeps track of our church by weeks. Like some of you keep track of your kids by months. And if we're playing that game, I'm 432 months old. And so I love numbers. If you, have your, uh, if you do have your Bible day, we're going to have a good time together. I'm excited to be here with you. I want you to be up front with you. Been a Christian now for uh, almost 18 years. And when I became a believer, God did not rapture my sense of humor. And so if, you, if you're offended by laughing in church, you're dismissed. And we're going to have a good time today. Come on, someone say Amen. <laughs> And so I like to have a good time. I just said, God, if I serve you, can like I enjoy it? And I, I really think like the Lord said, Mark, enduring, following me is not what I'm asking you to do. It says that in the presence of God is the fullness of, come on, not heaviness. Come on, stay with me, joy. In the full, presence of God is fullness of joy. It says that laughter is good like medicine. Who wants to take some meds this morning? Come on, can we all agree that medicine companies don't know what fruit tastes like? Can we all agree that does not taste like a grape? Come on. But uh, we're going to have a good time this morning. If you like boring churches, you're dismissed. And you like judgmental churches, you're dismissed. Or if you like going to churches that you learn things that have no application to Monday through Saturday, you also are dismissed. This is a church that will actually impact your family. It will impact your children, your babies. And I just want you to know, I really do believe this is a church. uh, Christine King came to our church in the very beginning, and she said, she told our church this, and I feel like the, the Lord reminded me of it even as I was singing today. But she got up in front of our brand new church, and she goes, I feel the presence of God in this room. There's something special happening here. And she goes, this is a rocket ship getting ready to take off. Buckle up. And I just heard the Lord saying the same thing over this house. This is a rocket ship. You guys haven't seen anything yet. There's going to be buildings. There's going to be resources. There's going to be influence. There's going to be an impact that hits this valley because of Mission Church. If you believe it, come on, say amen. So I'm excited. It's pretty special to be here in the early days and to be able to see each other's kids when they're little. And uh, this is, you know... This being a pastor of a church is like having a child and uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time today. If you're, uh, if you're new today to church, we're going to open up our Bibles to a pretty familiar passage for those that go to church regularly to Exodus chapter three. And uh, if you have your Bible, go to Exodus chapter three with me. I always love it when pastors ask you to turn to easy to find passages. Can we just thank the Lord for that? When I was growing up, when I first started coming to church, when the pastor said, we're going to go to Genesis, I'm like, praise the Lord can't find Genesis, we're going to do an altar call at the end of the service, and uh, but no, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. I'm going to read 12 verses if you're new today, and everything I kind of teach on today will be connected to these 12 verses, and uh, after I read the 12 verses, I pray, the great scholar and theologian M.C. Hammer from the Bay Area, he said we must pray just to make it today, come on, <laughs> who's old enough to remember somebody, and uh, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we'll call them jokes, is that all right? If you don't laugh, they're just stories. And then uh, everything I kind of talk about will be connected to these 12 verses, but my, I want to be very upfront. I do intend to actually felt the presence of Jesus already in the room. He's here. I know he is. But I, I do believe that in the next 20 minutes or so, some of you are going to encounter God in a, rush, in, a, in a real way, a fresh way, a new way. Some of you will be healed today. I really do believe that God is a God that's still in the business of healing people. We had a girl three weeks ago at our church, very first time in church, had psoriasis from the from her, her head to her feet, really severe on her face, her eyes, her neck. And uh, I don't do this every week, but I just pray for people sometimes as God just, and I'll just kind of say it in the room. I'll say, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to pray for someone that has psoriasis. And he wanted me to tell you that he's going to heal you in the next seven days. It's going to start tomorrow. You're going to wake up. It's going to be a little better. And Tuesday, it's going to be a little better. And then Wednesday, it's going to be a little better. And by, by next Sunday, it's going to be gone. Kind of a bold thing. And it's always funny you get those really critical people that are like, prove it. It's like, the, you know, the cover girl for the book of Lamentation. Come on, you ever met that lady. Um, but always skeptical people, which I'm fine with skeptical people, but uh, it was pretty special. Last Sunday, true story, my wife was there. She could attest to this. But this lady's sister came, and she goes, she couldn't stop crying, and she said, my sister came last week for the first time. You had a crazy thing that you said from the platform that God was going to heal someone in seven days of psoriasis. She's had it since she was in junior high. She's 21. And uh, got so bad some days that she couldn't even like, you know, like open her eyes hardly because it would inflame her eyes. She, she said every morning I woke up and I'd stare at her and i go, you're getting better. And she said Tuesday got a little better. Wednesday got even a little better. She said by Friday it was completely gone. And it's okay. I know you don't believe it. But come on, give me a hand clap anyways by faith. It's always impossible until God does it. And uh, I want you to know whenever you adopt a theology that requires no faith, it says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Can I get a good amen? If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Come on, help me out. You can give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise or a Latter-day Saint deep breath. I don't care. So we're going to get after it this morning. Uh, If you get bored today, I want you to know you're a boring person because I'm not a boring preacher. Can I get a good amen? And so if you have your Bible, Exodus chapter uh, 3, 12 verses, talking about Moses here. And uh, incidentally, this is the passage right uh, when Jesus, when God reveals himself to, uh, to Moses, and really the purpose, the mission of his life. And so if you have it with me, go ahead and begin reading in verse 1. We have it on the screens, I think, also. Exodus chapter 3. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, no one's there. Cool, I'll wait. I'm going to read it anyways. Is that all right Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Say with me, Jethro. That's fun to say. It's like saying Francisco. We'll keep going. That was a movie. Uh His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he uh, came to the mountain, uh, this desert mountain called Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside out of some sort of holy curiosity and see this great sight. Why in the world does this bush not burn out? So when the Lord saw that he was curious, he turned aside. God called to him from the midst of it. Moses, Moses, he goes, here I am, do not draw near this place, take your tebas, uh, take your Birkenstocks, come on, help me out, take your sandals off your feet for the place that you're standing, it's, uh, it's holy ground, moreover, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid, he was afraid to look upon God, and the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know all of their sorrows. I know all their depression. I know all their addictions. I, I know all their pain. I know the person that committed suicide. I know the person that died prematurely. I know the people that are carrying deep, deep sadness this morning. And he says, I, I'm familiar with all of their sorrows. So I've come down, planted a great church. Come on, help me, somebody come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up to a good land, to a large land, a land flowing with milk, with honey, come on, with In-N-Out Burger, Chick-fil-A, hashtag Christian chicken. I'm gonna bring them to a place, I'm gonna drive out their enemies, I'm gonna drive out the Canaanites and the Hittites, I'll get rid of the Amorites and the Perizzites. God said I'm big enough to get rid of the Hivites, the Jubasites. I'd even add the cellulites, come on, somebody, some tricky people to drive out. <laughs> and it goes on. Come now, come now, uh, that I may bring you, send you to Pharaoh, that I might, that you may bring these people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, and this is, this is I believe, the proper response to anyone that really uh, discovers as God reveals the magnitude of what God can do with your life. It's such a daunting thing. And I want you to know, if you can achieve the dreams that are in your heart, there might not be God's. Because God dreams always require God's assistance. God will always call you to places higher than you can climb. He'll actually use you in ways that are beyond your education, your experience, your pedigree. Come on, it's okay to say amen in here. I'm telling you that when God actually has a plan and a purpose for your life, you will respond just like our boy Moses here, that he goes, who in the world am I that I should do this great thing, that I should go to Pharaoh and drive these people out of that place to this mountain? And I love that God never responds to human insecurity. He doesn't answer the question that Moses asked. He simply responds, I will certainly be with you. And here's a sign that when you come back, you're gonna bring all three and a half million of those people to this mountain and you're gonna worship me. I wanna to talk to you this morning about getting close to God and staying close. Who wants to get close? And who wants to stay close? I think some people have an encounter with God in the 60s or when they're 16 or when they're kids but life has a way of kind of driving you away if you don't intentionally stay close. And many people, they, I don't think that love is lost. I think love is walked away from. I think that what you, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. I think some people fall out of love. They say, I fell out of love with this guy. You didn't fall out of love. Somewhere along the way, you stopped watering it. You, you, you walked away from it. And so today, I feel like some of you, you're like, I, I go to church, but I'm not really vibrantly, passionately connected to Jesus. But I want to. Or maybe you're here and you've never connected with God in a close way. I'm gonna, I believe the next 20 minutes, God's going to do something special. So let's pray real fast, ask, see what the Lord will do. God, we just want you to know today that we love you. We're so grateful that you loved us enough to live in a beautiful place like Walnut Creek. We thank you that, God, you've, you've been so kind to this church. We're so grateful for the great pastors that you've entrusted to us, the great families that you've drawn here, amazing friendships. And God, I just thank you that this church is just getting started. We speak blessing over it this morning, blessing over the families of this house, and I just ask that even the next few moments, God, I could throw a couple logs on the fire that's already burning bright here in Walnut Creek. God, we love you so much. We pray you bless the warriors, and God, for my sake, would you bless the Lakers as well. In Jesus' name, and come on, all the Christians, said, amen. Amen, amen. I, uh, I've been able to travel a little bit the last 10 years, and uh, been able to go to different churches and conferences, and God's been really kind to me. I'm from the high desert originally. And uh, we grew up in Palmdale, Anyone know about Palmdale? Palmdale? is the home of Afro Man and Paul George. I'm the third person to make it out, come on. And uh, we didn't have a lot growing up, like our welcome mat, we were so poor, our welcome mat just said, well. But it was interesting, I've been able to travel, been to Australia like 14 times now and different countries, Australia, I was in South America twice last year and been able to go to some amazing places and meet some phenomenal believers. But I want you to know that it's interesting that it doesn't matter where you go in the world, there's actually only two types of human beings. Just two. Not three, not four, two types of human beings. There are, there are two types. There are those that allow you to wear shoes in their house. And there are those that will have to read John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, dealing with offense if you wear shoes in their home. Can I get an amen? Sorry, that was a targeted joke. I, uh... We, we we were a shoes on family. I have two older brothers, uh, John and Lucifer, and um, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. His name's Satan. Um, I had two older brothers growing up, so my mom had three boys. So we pretty much destroyed anything valuable in the house. So we were a shoes on family. My wife again, she comes from this angelic family. She can trace her lineage back on ancestry.com to Michael and Gabriel. <laughs> so they were shoes off people. House was in order and and beautiful. So we got married, and the human dilemma is when you get married, it's like, what traditions are we going to adopt from your side? And which things are we going to do right? Um, <laughs> and so uh, we, <clears throat> we ended up, in the beginning of our marriage, being shoes-off shoes people. and uh, uh, Shoes-on, I'm sorry. Shoes-on people were youth pastors, so we had to. And, uh, and then we actually, about a year before we moved to California, God, God opened up a door for us to build our dream home. It was the most amazing modern house this builder went to our church and led him to the Lord and he wanted to bless us and gave us this phenomenal deal in this beautiful neighborhood and uh, we had to leave that house um, so we're still mourning that come on let's pour a little bit out for that house this morning um, but we uh, we we were able to, to move in this house at beautiful wood floors and so we had this we're like man this we've always been shoes on people let's let's become shoes off let's get like you know a more mature here so we had one one gathering in our house and we decided to go shoes off we had this with a sign on the door take your shoes off or burn, um, kidding, uh, and so we, we had a, a pile of shoes, some of our closest friends, I had no idea some of the people that we loved the most were actually hobbits, Frodo and Bilbo Baggins showed up to my house, Harry, come on, smelly, my house smelled like a junior high locker room for two weeks, Febreze couldn't help us, it's wild that when you take your shoes off, you get to know somebody really fast, it is a vulnerable thing. This is a real conversation, my wife said one time, Mark, we cannot go over there today to their house. They are shoes off people, and my toenails are not painted. <laughs> real conversation, Rochelle Francie, God bless her. And I don't, I don't care about my shoes, my toes, I don't paint my toenails, but I do care if my socks aren't related. We have a laundry, well, this just might be me, but we have a basket in our laundry room full of AWOL socks, Brothers. Like, your twin brother ran away. But after a couple weeks, you're like, you're living with your third cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wearing mismatched socks. It's funny that you take your shoes off. It's a vulnerable, it's an exposing type of scenario. And I always found it interesting in Exodus chapter 3 that out of all the requirements that God could have given Moses uh, to actually enable him to approach him, to come near to the bush that was on fire with his voice coming out of it, that the only prerequisite was, Moses, I need you to take your... Your shoes off. You want to get close to me. I need you to take your shoes off. If you want to come on, you want to hear my voice. You gotta take your shoes off. If you want to stay close, going to take your shoes off. Joshua took his shoes off and says that when the priests went in and Joshua, I think it's Joshua chapter two, when the priests put their feet in the river, it says that their shoes were off. It's something interesting. I did a study on this years ago. I won't go too deep today, but I want to just start off by saying I really have a theory, and we'll find out if it's true when we get to heaven. But um, in the meantime, let's just have some fun. Amen. <laughs> But I have a theory of why God asked Moses to take his shoes off, and I believe it's gonna gonna, gonna be, in many ways, beneficial to your relationship with Jesus, whether it's brand new or whether you've been serving God for decades. You see, I believe the first reason why many of us have a hard time getting close to God, having an encounter with him, opening up our heart to him, is because really the, the idea of shoes is there's four reasons I believe God asked Moses to take his shoes off to get close. Number one, I believe the number one reason why this isn't necessarily chronological importance, I would just say it's because, uh, number one, shoes are man-made. They're man-made. Say with me, man-made. I'm gonna talk back to the preacher, man-made. <laughs> Something about man-made. Back then, just like today, someone physically had to manufacture the shoes that were on Moses' feet, his sandals, and I'd actually, uh, I met a lot of people that don't like church, don't like Jesus, don't like the Bible. They're pretty hostile towards faith. And I would actually go as far to say that some of my even friends that are atheists, most of them uh, don't have a problem with Jesus. They had a problem with something that was man-made. It was a religious paradigm system. There was a person in a church, a leader, a pastor, a dad, a mom, an aunt, an uncle that said all the right things but lived all kinds of the wrong way. I've actually learned that more damage is done by people that say the right things than live the wrong way than almost anything else in the world. There's almost nothing more powerful than saying it and actually doing it. And there's almost nothing more destructive than people that say the right things but live the wrong way. And that's why I think most people that have a problem with God or church, they have a problem with man-made dysfunction. Dysfunction. They have a problem, man, this pastor, man, he's he was supposed to be this great leader, went to this church, supposed to be amazing, and I met this, my dad was like the worship guy at the church, but man, he was verbally abusive, and he was mean-spirited, and he was, he was this way to me growing up. And many of us, we were actually tarnished in our ability to want to go after God, not because of God, but because of something that was supposed to represent God. Can we agree on this right now? And so I would just say to you today that I think God told Moses, take your shoes off because I don't want man-made religion to separate us from the goodness of a real relationship with God. Pastor Tyler said it last week. He said something so profound. I'll give him credit for it for the first time. And after that, I'm going to say, and the Lord told me that religion is mechanical, but Jesus is relational. Beautiful, right? Christianity is relational. Such a beautiful thought. So what, do you, what, do you, uh, what would you say? I, I think the first reason why we gotta take our shoes off when we wanna come close to God is we have to make a conscious decision that even if we've met weird Christians, can we just all agree there are some weird Christians? Can you raise your hand if you met one? And would you raise it if your hand's not up because we might get suspicious, come on. There are some weird believers in the world, but what I've learned is those people would be weird without God. Come on, kids, you can say Amen. It's just like, can I laugh at that? Is all of that's so that's offensive? Uh, that's honest. Come on, let's tell the truth today. Shame the devil. There are people that literally just dysfunctional. I met people that have perfect dads, perfect moms. Come on, you know that friend you grew up going to? You wished almost like, man, their parents are so amazing. I wish they are my parents. Mom's like a chef. Dad's got this killer job. They got that awesome pool in the backyard. They got cereal that's in, come on, boxes. It's three of you know what I'm talking about up in here. It's like, Dr. Pepper, who's this imposter? Where's Dr. Thunder? Like, perfect parents, and they got crazy kids. How in the world can he be such good parents, have some weird kids sometimes? And I had this epiphany that God is this exact same way. He is a perfect father in heaven, but there are some people that claim him as their father that don't represent him well. And I would just pause here as a pastor and just say, if you've been hurt by a Christian, by a leader, by a church, by a religious institution, by some form of legalism, I would just like to, on the, on the behalf of Jesus, just say I'm deeply sorry. And I want you to know that just because you had a bad experience at Taco Bell, it shouldn't prevent you from wanting to go back sometimes. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm telling you, I got food poisoning one time at Jack in a Box from their tacos that have, that have methamphetamine inside of them. <laughs> I got food poisoning, for real. I did, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's awful, throwing up and everything. And I'm like you know what, that that discouraged me from going there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but I made a conscious decision that one employee that didn't wash their hands is not going to discourage me from going back and eating the Lord's food. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Kidding. Don't judge me. I didn't say endorse dog fighting. Settle down. I didn't know I was better than this guy. You know, I uh, I don't eat fast food all the time. But I'm like,, You know, when you have a bad experience with food, you don't stop eating. So why is it we have a bad experience with maybe a church or a religion or, a, or a, a Christian or whatever it is. We go, you know, I'm done eating. I'll never again pursue anything that's spiritual. There is zero logic in that. Well, Mark, all religions are the same. It all, it's, all, it's, it's like all religions, they lead to the same place, like same deal, like it doesn't matter who you call out to and cry out to. That's like, it's funny the logic of that is about as logical, and I'm in a very highly educated area, that is about as logical as saying, man, all taxis, they're all yellow. They all go to the same place. It's like saying all taxis go to New York, all, all trains go to L.A., all ships go to Sydney, and all airplanes are flying to London. Guess what? What, you, what, you, what, what, what you're going after, what you believe determines where you're going. Or can, can I get a good amen in here? And many people that have a problem with God, come on, Moses, take your shoes off. Why? Because shoes are man, they are man-made, man-made religion. Today, if you've been hurt by a church, again, many many different forms, I'm asking you this morning let say, let's, I'll make a conscious decision to take off the shoes from where I've been and actually open up my heart again to God. Can I get a good amen? Yeah. Number two, I think he told me to take his shoes off because number two, shoes, shoes. Let me just backtrack here for a second. I think there's people in here that can identify with Moses. Moses, this is wild. Moses spent four decades, literally swooped out of a river, come on, next to the van, come on, somebody, Chris Farley, <laughs> And he's brought out of a river. He's He grows up at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and he's raised in the White House. He's a prince in Egypt, great name for a movie. And he... He grows up there and, and he's raised and literally he goes from the bottom to the top and then, and then he takes the law into his own hands. He kills someone for oppressing a Jewish person. He becomes the number one fugitive in, in, the, in the nation. He actually leaves and he goes from a prince in Egypt in his 30s, in his 20s, in his early 40s to literally a fugitive shepherd in the Sinai Peninsula. Now shepherd to prince is the highest social economic gap that mean you could fabricate. That's like listening to Drake's song backwards, starting at the bottom. Come on, now we're here. It's like started up here and now we're down here. And literally this guy ends up living, and he's again. this isn't like one year, two years, five years. This is four decades. No longer a 37-year-old good-looking prince on the cover. Come on, getting ready to audition for The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. That got weird. <laughs> he's now a 80-year-old. Can you imagine like 10 years in, he's like, I would do it all over again. That was the right thing to do. Year 15, he's like, man, I probably should have kept that to myself. <laughs> Just kept living in that palace. Year 20, he's like, man, I think I got somebody's contacts still in the palace. I'm going to text that baker real quick, see if I can get my job back. Four decades he spends in a desert leading, uh, as we know, sheep, which aren't necessarily high IQ animals. They're smelly animals. They're, they're, they're foolish and he leads them in about 175, 180-mile peninsula called the Sinai Peninsula. Probably walked by Mount Horeb 100 times and knew the back of that desert like the back of his hand. And I bet you for 40 years, he probably ran this scenario in his head that God is done with me. I've missed the call of God. I've missed the purpose of God, the divorce, the bankruptcy, the relocation, the tragedy, the abortion, the miscarriage. There's... There's just things that have happened to me. I just, I have too much hurt, too much pain. I got too much animosity and bitterness. I'm like Mara. I'm like, 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 like Naomi said, I'm like Mara. Don't call me that anymore. I'm, I'm Mara. Like my, my life is, is no longer sweet and pleasant. I'm barren, I'm bitter. And I think some people in here today, you resonate with this because you go, man, I feel like Moses, that I had some good things happen to me earlier in my life, but I think the best days of my life are behind me. I think I'm wasting my life right now. And I, thought, I love this because I think God probably is looking in heaven and he goes, you know what? We need someone to lead three and a half million uh, unintelligent people through the Sinai Peninsula for one, two, three, four decades. Is there any resumes that we can put in? Who has the most decorated resume on the earth to lead three and a half million people that are going to make bad decisions than a guy that's led Foolish sheep for for four decades in the same peninsula. Because here's what I've learned. You can write this down. What we call wasted time, God considers preparation. God God can redeem anything. Can I get an amen up in here? Come on, can I get a real amen up in here? God can redeem a marriage lost, a business lost, a failure in 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 a relationship. God is good at bending the worst moments of our life to our advantage. I was seven years old. My parents got divorced. My dad was a mailman, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and they, they had this crazy thing blow up. My dad had a nervous breakdown. He was the worship guy at the church, and I'll never forget, my dad just kind of lost it. He got so upset, parents started physically fighting in front of my two brothers and I. My, mom's, my, my dad's sitting on the porch with a gun saying, if your mom comes home, I'm gonna kill her today. And I saw things that seven-year-old, I'm not saying my, my story's worse, some of you have worse stories than, I, than mine. I would just say that I saw things that little kids shouldn't see. And my dad wanted to get away from everything, so we, he randomly selected Boise, Idaho. And about 1994, I would start visiting that place while it was still like Napoleon Dynamite. Can I get an amen? And I started visiting up there, and, and my dad would get married and divorced three times. His second wife would start going to a church called Capital Church in Meridian, Idaho. He would actually go on to actually make me, force me to go to a summer camp at that church that I didn't want to go to. And I'd have a God encounter when Judah Smith and Benny Perez were speaking at this summer camp that actually would change the trajectory of my future and my life. And here's the crazy thing. My dad didn't get divorced. He never would have ran away to Idaho. If he didn't go to Idaho, he never would have got married to his second wife. If he didn't marry her, he never would have found out about Capital Church. If he didn't meet Capitol Church, I never would have got saved there. If I didn't get saved there, I wouldn't have got discipled, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, ordained as a pastor, sent out as an evangelist, and the leader of the youth ministry and an elder in the church. I wouldn't be where I am today. So here's the question that some of you, come on, some of you people in here kinda like push your glasses back asking, did God make that happen? I don't think he did at all. But did God use the lowest moment of my life as fertilizer to grow the greatest plants that produce the greatest fruits? Man, I wish I could get an amen and give God a hand clap, but he can use anything. He bends the worst for his best. Come on, can I get a good amen? Preaching the Potter's house a couple of times, you say, "Open your Bibles." People start falling out into the power of God. Need some of that up in this room right now. Can I get an amen? amen. So he find here that he uh, he takes his shoes off because shoes. What happens? is You follow sheep for this many years. Sh- uh, shepherds. I, I'm going to guess. I'm not. I'm going to keep it PG, but I would go on the record to state that I think there was there's factual evidence to concur that he probably occasionally stepped in um sheep offerings. And what I've learned is that many times when you have smell on your feet, it actually gets to your nose. And I think the reason why God told Moses, take your shoes off, because number two, I believe the smell of where you've been can distract you from where God wants to take you. Some of you ever notice that when you're on your way to church, it's like all hell breaks loose Sometimes. You ever notice that when you're actually singing, you have this phenomenal worship leader, Darnell, and Pastor Rachel's up here, and it just sounds like heaven. And you're like, man, I'm getting ready to do the Hillsong hop and the Pentecostal two-step, and I'm just going to get after this thing today. And the moment you start going after Jesus, it's wild how, like, it's crazy. Your mind starts thinking about all the stupid things you said, all the stupid things that you did that week, all the mistakes that you made. And I've learned that the devil's really good at almost putting a fan at our feet when we have, when we have bad places that we've been and reminding us of where we've been, reminding us of our stupidity. Write this down. Whenever the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. That was better than the response was. That's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. Number three, I think that God told Moses to take his shoes off because not only did he not want the smell, Moses, take your shoes. I don't. I don't need you thinking about the poo on your feet when you're in my presence. I don't want to associate where you've been with where you're going. Take your shoes off, Moses. How about this? Take your shoes off because number three, shoes have s o l e souls. It's funny that God began to speak to me how humans and shoes are similar. We have s o u l s. Parents, can we agree collectively together that one of the worst inventions given to humanity was white tennis shoes for children? My daughter bought her some white Adidas like a year ago, whatever. She wore them one day to school. I thought she'd travel with Moses for four decades. She baptized them in mud and rocks. And I'm OCD about shoes. I keep everything clean. And so I threw them in the washer, and I got them out. And there was still a bunch of um, rocks in the bottom of the shoes. Someone could come up with the keys. I'm almost finished. And there's a bunch of rocks under the, in the soles of the shoes And I literally got a butter knife and I started actually chiseling out all the rocks because here's the deal. We had soft wood floors in our house and if you put enough weight on the soles that have rocks in them, it'll actually scratch the surface of nice environments. And here's what I've learned is that some of you, you're, you're thinking that your environments are the problem, but it's not the environments that you're scratching. It's the fact that there's damaged rocks in the soul of your life. And a new marriage and a new church will not fix the old damaged you. You need God to actually, Kenzie, that's her name. Kenzie, take your shoes off, give them to daddy. And when she gave me her shoes, I'd get a butter knife and I would chisel out all the rocks. Because if not, she's a very sweet girl, but she could do damage in that nice environment. Some of you, you've been to like several churches, been remarried, new business partners. And it's interesting because the same things keep reoccurring over and over, cycles, cycles. I want you to know today that God loves you so much that he can heal you anywhere you're hurting. Good spot for an amen. He can heal you anywhere you're hurting. Some of you are wounded from people that are no longer alive anymore. Some of you are trying to prove people wrong that aren't even on the earth. Abused as a child, traumatized, PTSD, maybe from war. Maybe it was, maybe it was a, a, a loss of a child. I was praying last night and God just told me there's someone that just went through a tragedy recently, lost a child and I felt the comfort of heaven coming to you this morning. And I saw the Lord healing your heart so that you could, heal, you could heal properly. When you break a bone, it's really important that you let the doctor set set it in the right spot so that it might take time to heal, but you need it to heal right. This is for someone today. Someone's broken right now, and listen, I'm not promising you that you'll never, you'll never cry again, that you'll never go through that pain again, but I can promise you that if you let the doctor come in, that the Holy Spirit will actually set your, set, set the muscle and set the, the bone in the right, 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 right symmetry so that you actually heal properly. Today I just felt like someone's broken. I want you to know that God will heal you anywhere you're hurting if you'll take your shoes off. You want to get close to God? Well, I, I would, I would man, but, I just keep damaging. It's like, man, I just, I got so much stuff in my soul. The divorce, the, the bankruptcy, that business partner stabbing me, the betrayal, that guy that I opened up my life to and he said all those harsh words towards me. That, ah, the anger, the lust, the addiction. Why, why? And I want you to know today that if you'll take your shoes off and say, God, Kenzie, take your shoes off. why, why, why daddy? I'm gonna get rid of the things that could damage where you're going. Some of you today, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you, take your shoes off. Let me heal that moment when you were nine. If you'll reveal it to God, he'll heal it in you. Number four, are you still with me today? I believe it's very important because Moses took his shoes off because lastly, I'll close, is uh, shoes will always affect the sensitivity and always affect the speed of your life. I'm not really outdoorsy. I'm more indoorsy, that's why I moved to Orange County, San Juan Capistrano, can I get an amen? I'm more indoorsy, people always say how great the outdoors are, all my friends in Idaho do. I'm like, look, if the outdoors was so great, why are all the bugs trying to get inside my house? I don't believe it. I'm indoorsy, I got soft feet. I got feet smoother than some of you ladies. Come on, somebody. Some of you lady wish you had feet like me. Got smooth feet, my, my kids booby trap my house to test to make sure there's no cuss words in me. And so I'll step on, come on, glass Mickey, 2.30 in the morning on the way to the bathroom. And I don't cuss, thank God, I don't really cuss anymore at all, but I, I do, come on, I might, Shondai. <laughs> so you might hear 2.30 in the morning, come on, should about a Kia, or would about a Hyundai. I got sensitive feet, man. If we were to leave this room right now, I took my shoes off and we went out in the parking lot, we raced, uh, it's, it's gonna be dirty. There's gonna be little kids that are beating me because I'll be like tiptoeing. It's gonna be, it's gonna be embarrassing. But if I have my shoes on, right, I'm, there's, there's an ability not to feel things that will affect my sensitivity and my speed. I really feel like there's people here today that God's speaking to you, Jesus loves you, he died for you, he's here for you. But you're so hard, so calloused because of life, because of experiences. Something's happened to you, something's happened because of you. But I got good news whether the sin is your fault or you're innocent. I got really good news today that God can make you sensitive again in the areas that you've gone numb. Remember when you were a kid, the first time you said like, shut up, you're like, oh, I'm going to hell. Remember that as a kid? First time you said something mom didn't want you to say and you, you, you just pushed the envelope, you're stupid. Oh, I'm going to hell. And you're like, oh, it just hurts. You ever notice that you keep saying things further and further? And eventually, words lose their power. That's why it's interesting that even atheists, they never cuss in Buddhist name or Muhammad's name, they use Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only name that never loses his power. Even atheists feel the power when they say, Jesus Christ! Yeah, there's power in that name. That's the only name that was given under heaven that men can be saved by. And guess what? You're here today and you're like, man, I just, I feel like it's like, like I'm so wounded that things that should hurt me, I don't even feel anymore. David said in Psalms 51, he said, create in me a clean heart, renew a steadfast, renew a sensitive, come on, renew a sensitivity. I'm tired of being numb to the addictions and numb to the violence and numb to the anger and numb to the lust. I want you to know today that we serve a God that can make you feel again. That's good news for somebody. I haven't felt any type of, I could do the worst things. I don't even feel guilty about it. Bible talks about a seared conscience. You know what God's good at? Reconnecting your conscience. Today, I believe God's going to do that. And guess what? When you have sensitivity, no one has to tell you, hey, don't sleep with people that aren't your spouse. You're sensitive. I'm not going to do that. I would never. That would hurt too much. Don't walk on glass. See, I had socks on. They're my wife's. These are her jeans too. Exposing myself here. This is for you guys. If I went out on glass right now, you don't have to tell me don't run on glass when my shoes are off. Sensitive. But if I put my shoes on and there's glass, I'm not even paying attention. See, Christianity is awesome because religion says, don't you dare, don't you go in that glass, you go to hell. But I love that Jesus comes inside of you and it's such an inside job that he sensitizes you that no one has to tell you, stop looking at that bad stuff online. All of a sudden like, ah, that hurt, I felt dirty. That feels wrong. I yelled at my, my wife, yelled at my, my son, my daughter, my husband. I felt convicted. Listen, if you never feel convicted, it could be that you turned into God. There should be moments of your life that you're like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Let me apologize to that person. Sensitivity. Are you with me today? So here's what we're doing. Stand on our feet. Quietly come on. It's holy moment. I'm four minutes over time. and I'm, I'm, I promise, Pastor, i am be done 20 seconds. Give me 20 seconds. Raise your hand. 20 seconds. 20, 40, 60, 80. Okay, we're good. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. How many say, Mark, I feel like God's speaking to me today. Can we just do this really quick? You say, let's let's go eyes open because we're honest. Is this an honest church? Front row is. Okay, cool. We're good. If you're here to say, Mark, I just feel like, man, there's been hurts from man-made religion, man-made people, things that people have said and done that have hurt me from getting close to God. But I want God today to take my shoes off so I can overcome man-made hurts. So just raise your hand up. I feel like God's gonna heal that today. I see some honest people in here, it's awesome, so cool. Put your hand down, thank you. How about you're here and you say, Mark, I feel like every time I start getting close to God, like I feel like I start remembering all the bad things that I've done and I don't feel good enough, I feel dirty. And I feel like I can't go where God wants me to go or be what he wants me to be because of my past. Would you pray that God would take my shoes off today and wash me from where I've been? Would you just raise your hand today? Come on, it's so okay to be honest in church. Very good. How about this? You're here and you're like, I just feel like my soul, I got wounds from my youth, as a kid, a teenager, my twenties, my thirties, my fifties. There's things that happened that I've never healed from. Or you healed, but you healed wrong. That's a picture I have right now. Some of you, the bone broke, but it never healed properly. So you ever seen something that's like a weird bones, bone mass or whatever, God wants to reset that today. You say, Mark, would you pray that God would heal, heal me? from the soul, soul issues. Thank you, awesome, hands down. And lastly, you're saying, Mark, would you pray that God would make me feel things again that I haven't felt in a long time, make me sensitive to his voice and receptive to his spirit? Would you put your hands up? If you raised your hand to any of those four, you put both hands towards heaven, I'm out of time. Let's pray two prayers and we're done. God, I ask you today in Jesus' name, that even as they had their hands up physically, that you would heal people physically. I pray that you'd heal people mentally right now. I pray for those struggling with PTSD. I pray those that are bipolar, mental conditions, depression. I pray people in the room that are suicidal. I ask you today in Jesus' name that we we take authority over the spirit of death, spirit of hopelessness. I ask in Jesus Christ's name that that hope would fill every soul in this room. I pray, Lord, right now that, God, there be a redemptive faith to rise in the room, that you're not done with us, you're just getting started, that this wasn't wasted time, this is preparation. That, God, you're gonna use me to comfort people the way that you've comforted me. So, God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would rise, rise, raise, and rise. Come on, this church up, Mission Church, to be a a light in a city, to be a city on a hill, to be a beacon in a region. And I ask in Jesus' name that, God, even now in this place, that, God, you would we take our shoes off, Lord, every day we come into your presence. We step out of man-made hurts. God, we step out of the smell of where we've been. We think we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we walk into your presence and we let you clean our souls and we let you sensitize our spirit. God, we're going to be a church that knows our God, that's strong and does great exploits like Daniel
0: 11.32 in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast.